We hope you enjoy this podcast from Light Church Edithburg. To find out more about us, visit lightchurch.co. Let's grab our seats. Let's sit down. Righty. Good to see you. If we haven't met, my name's Ben. And uh, good to have you in church. We had a, a guest speaker last week. His name's Paul. And uh, his thought was about unlearning or rethinking a few things. And I've got his book and I'm reading that. And he used the example of, of Paul to Saul. Saul was killing Christians. And then he encountered Jesus and suddenly he started sharing the good news. That's pretty different. Killing Christians and then talking to people and they becoming Christians. But when he was killing Christians, he thought he was doing the right thing. (laughs) He thought he was doing the Lord's work. He was a bit wrong, wasn't he? And sometimes we need to rethink a few things or unlearn a few things. And and it's in the big and the small, isn't it? Um, Paul used an example of the the stolen generation. Some horrible things have been done in the name of God. And it's in the small things as well. And we never need to be... Uh, expert professional Christians that have every box ticked, everything worked out and every idea sorted because that's when we're probably just a little bit off I reckon. We need to unlearn a few things. We need to stop we need to look at what we believe, we need to look at how we act, we need to look at how we read our Bible and is it in line with the will and heart of God and uh, I'm going to read a whole chapter of the book of Matthew and uh, a whole chapter I know Chapter a day keeps the doctor away. No, that's what they say. And uh, a chapter a day keeps the pastor away. I don't know. Um, and it's really Jesus criticising the religious leaders and the Pharisees. And he's given them an all-time spray. Right. And I'm a uh, coach to footy. And I can't really give my team a spray. We lose. But the problem is we're just fat and old. Right. And I tell them. I'm like, we're just a bit too fat and old. And that's not going to change. And so we might as well just have a good time and come back next week. Um, because we're not going to get younger. We're definitely not going to get skinnier the way it's going. And so you can't, I can't really give them a spray. I've received a few sprays in my days. And uh, I've got, I got, I got a good one once. It's like, Ben, can you get out of second gear? That was a good one. I'm like, oh, goodness. And, uh, but he gives them a spray. Where this fits in is, is Jesus has been preaching in his public ministry, been teaching, doing miracles. And it was the triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Uh, the, the palm leaves on the floor. He's riding a donkey. Jesus knows in a few days he's going to be killed. And he knows he's going to rise from the grave. And he tries to tell everyone, but no one gets it. And so that's what's happening. And it's just in those few days between his entry and the cross. And we read this chapter where Jesus just lets it rip. He doesn't hold anything back because he knows what's about to come soon. And this is what we're reading in Matthew 23. And it says, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example. 
for they don't practice what they teach. We're going to be Christians that, that do better than we say, I reckon. They crush people with their unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Everything they do is for show. <laughs> On their arms they wear extra wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside and they wear robes with extra long tassels. And they love to sit at the head of the table at banquets in the seats of honour in synagogues. They love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces and to be called a rabbi. Don't let anyone call you a rabbi, for you only have one teacher, and all of you are equal as brothers and sisters. And don't address anyone here on earth as father, for only God in heaven is your spiritual father. And don't let anyone call you teacher, for you only have one teacher, the Messiah. The greatest among you must be a servant, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And if that wasn't enough, he's, Jesus is just getting started. That's just his introduction to these old-time spray. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and Pharisees? Hypocrites! For you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You won't even go in yourselves, and you don't let others in either. What sorrow awaits you, blind guides? For you say it means nothing to swear by God's temple. But it is binding to swear by the gold in the temple. Blind fools, which is more important, the gold in the temple? What makes the gold sacred? And you say that to swear by the altar is not binding, but to swear by the gifts in the altar is binding. How blind, for what's more important, the gift on the altar or the altar that makes the gift sacred? When you swear by the altar, you're swearing by everything on it. And when you swear by the temple, you're swearing by, and by God who lives in it. And when you swear by heaven, you are swearing by the throne of God and by God who sits on the throne. What sorrow awaits you, hypocrites, for you careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. But you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy and faith. You should tithe, yes, but don't neglect the more important things. Blind gods, you strain the water so you won't accidentally swallow a gnat, but you swallow a camel. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, Pharisees, hypocrites. For you're careful to clean the outside of the cup, of the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first wash inside the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you're like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like religious people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. What sorrow awaits you? For you build tombs, for you, sorry, you build tombs for the prophets your ancestors killed, and you decorate monuments of the godly people your ancestors destroyed. Then you say, if we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we would never join them in killing the prophets. But in saying that, you testify against yourselves that you are indeed the descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Go ahead and finish what your ancestors started. Snakes, son of vipers, how will you escape the judgment of hell? Jesus is going in. Therefore I am sending you prophets and wise men and teachers of religious law, but you will kill some by crucifixion and you will flog others with whips in your synagogues, chasing them from city to city. As a result, you will be held responsible for the murder of all godly people of all time, from the murder of the righteous Abel to Zechariah, whom you killed in the temple. I tell you the truth, this judgment will fall on this very generation. 
Then he says, O Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers, how often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. And now look, your house is abandoned and desolate, for I'll tell you this, you will never see me again until you say blessings that come, the blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Well, that's a bit of a spray, isn't it? Imagine Jesus there in the synagogue and there's, there's the crowd and there's all the Pharisees and he, he, he turns to them and says, you snakes, you vipers, you hypocrites. Whew. He's going out with a bang. You know, the Pharisees, you know how they started? They wanted to move a God. They wanted God to come to earth to give him freedom, to get rid of Rome and for God's kingdom to come to earth. And what they thought was if we could get everyone to obey the law as closely as possible, God will come. So their motive wasn't even that bad. We want God to come and give us freedom. So if we just do our absolute best, God will come. That's where the Pharisees kind of started. And obviously, we got, we got a bit swayed along the way. They, the Pharisees thought they were doing the will of God. They thought they were doing what God wanted. But they weren't, were they? They needed to rethink it. You know, when you read the stories of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus and the miracles of Jesus... I wonder who you are in that story. Are you Jesus? <laughs> if, if you read the stories of Jesus and if you're always Jesus, maybe don't do that anymore. Um, are you someone in the crowd just watching? I, I like to be the one who gets the miracle. That's, that's the fun one. Yeah, when you read the stories of Jesus, I'll be the leper, I'll be the hungry guy listening to the sermon. Right, I'll be the guy who gets his taxes paid with the fish. Uh, I'll be the guy who brings his friend and he's healed. I like, to, I like to be the miracle receiving guy in the story. That's what we all want. Right? Sometimes we're the disciple, but they often do dumb things. Right? But sometimes we read ourselves as the disciple. I wonder how often you've read yourself as the Pharisee. A little bit less fun, isn't it? Right? Because they never do the right thing. But sometimes, I think we need to do it. Now, I'm not saying you're, you're snakes. <laughs> I'm not saying you're hypocrites. I'm saying me, you, we. We need to rethink it sometimes. Because sometimes, actually, we're probably closest in who we are to where the Pharisees were. We, we believe in God. We want to move a God, right? We've got, to, we've got to stop and rethink what we believe, what we're doing, how we're doing things. Is it in line with the heart of God? And what can be different to the Pharisees is maybe we can be teachable and moldable and open and humble. Because obviously they weren't and they killed Jesus. And so I just wanted to just pick out four things today that maybe we need to have a look at and rethink. Just maybe. 
Maybe things that we've been moulded by the secular world around us. Maybe it's impacted. Maybe we've looked at the Bible through the me lens. Maybe a selfish lens. Or maybe we just have missed the point. First thing I want us to maybe have a, have a think of is, is it status or service? Status or service? You read of the Pharisees, uh, they wear extra long robes. I'm glad we don't do that anymore. They like to be in the, the seats of honour. Jesus says, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I heard someone jokingly said, uh, Jesus said, if you're not first, you're last. <laughs> Jesus didn't say that. I've said that. Jesus said the first will be last and last will be first. Status or service? I think sometimes when we read you know, about service, we think of just Sunday church. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. Yeah, we serve each other here, but I think he's talking about in everyday life, what's more important, status or service? Status or service? Monday to Saturday, what's more important, what everyone thinks about me? how the community views and respects me or how I serve the community. Status or service. You know, Jesus laid down his life selflessly to serve us. How we interact. Now, serving isn't a popular term. No one wants to serve. Uh, we, We invent objects and technology so we don't have to serve each other. Self serve checkout. Right. Weight loss machines you just have to stand on. Um, uh, Food delivered to your door, cooked and uncooked. Right. We just invent technology, we invent objects, so we don't have to serve each other. Right. It's not popular to serve. You won't see it trending on, on... News are on the project, oh, the new idea, serve one another. That'll get you far in the world. It's not popular. But Jesus said the greatest will be the least. He came to serve. And so, yes, as a church, but, but in our community, as Christians and followers of Jesus, what's, where do we sit on that? Where do I sit on that? Where do, that's something we've got to consider. Are we about status or service? And it's not going to be one or the other, is it? If status is that wall and service is that wall, we find ourselves somewhere in the middle. It's not one or the other, is it? But what's our heart? Is our heart to serve or is our heart to, to get status or honour? Status or service? You know, how, do we, how can we serve each other in the church? Last time you thought, when you come to Sunday, I wonder how I can serve my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ today. That's what Jesus thought all the time. How could I serve one another? When was the last time you woke up on a Wednesday and thought, how can I serve my community today? I think we need to rethink a few things sometimes. I need to rethink a few things sometimes, I think. 
status or service. Maybe another one to think is uh, extravagant talk or real testimony. Jesus said, you're buying an oath on this and by the temple and by heaven and the Pharisees are carrying on. He talks elsewhere in the Bible about praying. He says, don't babble on like the Pharisees do. Just pray openly. You ever, you ever met someone that talks a lot of rubbish? I do sometimes, but it's for fun. But have you ever met someone that, that does it, like, and they're serious? So this is a bit, do you even know what's coming out of your mouth? Extravagant talk. Now, we're called to be witnesses for Jesus. A witness just says what they've seen and what they've experienced. If you haven't seen it, haven't experienced it, you don't share it. Real talk, real faith, what we've seen and experienced. When we pray, the Pharisees swore by the oaths and swore on the temple and to try and prove a point. And why can't I just say yes be yes? Integrity. This extravagance, this... Another thing we might need to rethink sometimes is it rituals and traditions or justice, mercy and faith. Jesus said, you're so careful to tithe a tenth of your herb garden. You've got to grow the herbs first. We tried to, we got a bit of a veggie garden, but the last one didn't work too well. And now it's just weeds everywhere. You're so careful to tithe a tenth of your herbs, but you, you lack to sow justice, mercy, and faith. You know, biblical justice isn't what we think. Justice is getting even in our world. It's like getting them back. Justice, justice in the biblical world is it's, it's how Jesus makes us right. It's restoration. Jesus saying, all your traditions, all your sacrifices, it means nothing if you're not restoring relationships, if you're not showing mercy. You know, rituals and traditions are great. They're not actually bad. Communion is a, is a tradition. I love communion. It's amazing. Reading my Bible, is it, it could, you could say that's a ritual, something I do. Coming to church, that could even be framed as a tradition or a ritual. Singing. Jesus isn't saying tithing. Giving. Jesus is saying any of these are bad, but he's saying don't do them and then lack to show justice, mercy. What might that look like? I don't know, maybe taking communion every day but forgetting to show mercy to your neighbour? I don't know, something like that. Maybe. Never missing a Sunday but being rude to the young kid behind the counter at Food Lane. Tithing 10%, never miss a percent, but forgetting those in need. Reading my Bible every day, but being harsh on my family. I reckon that's what Jesus is talking about. You know, these traditions and rituals, they're they're life-giving and they're meant to lead us to justice, 
mercy and faith. It's another one we might need to think. I've called it hot stuff or clean heart. Do we look hot? Do we look good? Do we look beautiful? Are we all well presented? Or we got a clean heart? I remember once there was this horrible television show called True Beauty. And uh, it was just horrific, but it was pretty funny. And they got these, like, they got about 10 of these, what would be considered the most beautiful people in the world. And they told them it was a show to find out who was the most beautiful of them all. And they were the vainest, most simple, shocking humans you've ever met. <laughs> right. But really what the aim of the show is, they'd film them behind the scenes and how they treated all the crew. And they'd, they'd, someone would randomly spill a coffee on the street, but it was an accident, and then they'd look how they reacted. right? And what they'd do, they'd kick off the worst behaved person every week. And then like, they'd be shocked, like, what? I'm more beautiful than this and this and this? This is real people acting like this. And then they'd show them a clip of how they acted. right? And they just go red. It's like, man. This is what Jesus is really saying. It's not about how you present. It's not about how you look. It's not about how Christian you are on a Sunday. It's not about how proper you are. It's about what's in your heart. It's about your motives. It's about who you are. It's, it, Jesus transforms us from the inside out. Romans 12. And so, brothers and sisters, I plead of you to give your bodies to God because all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. The kind he will be find acceptable. This is the way to worship. Don't copy the behavior and customs, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. God changes our heart and our mind from the inside out. We've got to just be humble enough to just stop and think sometimes. You know, I was reading, it was after the conference and I was just been reading through Matthew and then I read this chapter and it hit me. Like I've read this chapter before and I'm like, whoa. And suddenly I was rethinking that passage. I used to read it and I'm like, oh, those Pharisees. Whew. Tell you what. Their trouble. But Jesus, if I was there, I'd tell them off too. And um, and then, then I read it, and I'm like, ooh, I see a little bit of me in some of that. And sometimes I think we come to church and we want a miracle. And, and there's nothing wrong with wanting miracles and praying for miracles and believing in miracles. I pray for miracles, I believe in miracles, I see miracles, right? What if sometimes just Jesus wants to just mould us a little bit, challenge maybe how we're living or how we're reading the Bible or how we're thinking, maybe pruning off something that doesn't produce fruit, maybe pruning something that does produce fruit so it could produce even more fruit. And I wonder if we can just be mouldable and teachable to God and his heart and his will for us. Because the Pharisees, they love God. They love God. They wanted people to believe in God. They wanted God to come and move. They just, just got focused on the wrong things. Is it status or service? Extravagant talk or real testimony? Is it rituals and traditions or justice, mercy and faith? 
is an outward appearance or a clean heart. I love at the end Jesus said, how often I've wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. The Pharisees wouldn't let Jesus be Lord, the mother hen. And that's where we find difference. If they're willing to humbly come beneath the wings of Jesus, submit, and just be moulded, guarded, listen. When, when God points this little area of life, oh, yeah, God, you actually, you're probably right. Maybe I could, maybe I could serve, maybe I could serve uh, my church better. Maybe I could probably show a bit more mercy. Maybe I could, yeah. What if we could just come to Jesus, vulnerable, open, and just let him do what he needs to do? Romans, I read it pretty fast for a purpose just before, but I'll read it slowly. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let, let God, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. It doesn't say don't copy the behaving customs and God will. It says let. And so that means we can do, do all the traditions we want. But if we don't let God transform us, we can be the most unmerciful people in our community. That's scary. We don't, I don't want that. But we've got to be humble, open. Like a chick to the mother hen and just let God speak in, touch, minister. And we've got, it's like a mother hen. What a beautiful analogy. It's not this authoritarian judge ready to slam the hammer down and, and condemn us. No, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mother hen. It's a father's love to bring life, to bring correction, to bring, to bring fruit. He prunes so we produce more fruit. God touches these areas of our lives, not to we feel bad, to give us freedom. <laughs> freedom for us and freedom for others. So I wonder if, maybe just the keys. We don't need, we don't need the whole band. I wonder if we could just spend a moment, just be open with God and just invite Him just to speak into our lives. So I say, God, is there anything? Maybe I'm doing the traditions, maybe I'm doing the rituals, I never miss church, but maybe I've, maybe I've missed the mark on showing love and mercy, I don't know. Maybe I, I've forgotten your selfless serving love or help me to do that because that sounds pretty hard <laughs> God I invite you to let I let you I invite you to transform the way I think transform me from the inside out. I invite you I don't come with all the answers <laughs> I don't come with it all worked out but God I invite you to have your way to lead 
me, to transform me, to mold me, to teach me. And so God, we, me, I invite you into my life, into my mind, into my heart. I invite you into our church and each and every person here and speak to us, mould us, teach us, God. We never want to think we've got it all together. God, we love you. We want to see our community know you. I think that's the same across the board. (laughs) But Jesus, in what we believe, how we act, how we treat each other, what's important to us, uh, Jesus, we invite you to speak to us, to mould us, to even challenge us, to encourage us. Because God, we want to reflect your heart, your love. So God, have your way in us. God, thank you that whenever you do this, you do it to bring freedom, to bring life. God, I just pray for clarity. I pray for your peace. I pray for your freedom. Help us to rethink anything we need to rethink. (laughs) We just humbly come to you, God, as a chick goes to its mother hen. God, we humbly come as children, as sons and daughters of you, God, to our perfect Father. We just humbly come and say, do whatever you see fit. We invite you in. God, we just want to reflect your heart and your love. And we realise in our, in our world, in our flesh, in our own selfishness and beliefs, we probably get in the way of that sometimes. And we reflect probably more of ourselves than you, God. And God, help us just to reflect and love like you love. Give us your heart, God. Mould us, guide us, teach us. Help us to show mercy and love. Where we would struggle to. Make him, make him me a clean heart, God. God, give us ways to, to serve each other, serve our community, God, because Jesus, you came to serve. You laid down your life. God, help us to be a church that reflects your heart, God. Help us to be a church that reflects your character. God, in our families, help us to love like you do. Help us to be mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, friends, like you would be Jesus. <laughs> we invite you to speak into our, into our work life, into our family life, into our friendship circles. Jesus, we don't want to be Christian but not Christ-like. We don't want to be Christian but not Christ-like. So God, we thank you. 
mould us, guide us, speak to us, lead us. I'll be honest with you, it's a decision. No, it, you might never want to preach because whenever you preach, you get challenged on you generally what you end up talking about, right? And it happened like last night and this morning, didn't it? Yeah. And we were tired and then one kid wasn't sleeping and then we got a little bit grumpy at each other because neither of them wanted to put it to sleep and then the other kid got up all night and then... So I'm, I'm probably on about an hour sleeping. And I got up this morning and I was just grumpy at everyone. I was, I was livid. And you know when you, when you get up to do something and then you check the clock and it's five minutes before your alarm goes off? I don't know if it's more or something. There's anything more infuriating in the world than when that happens. Right? And so I got up and I was just livid and grumpy. And for no good reason. I can say that now, but in the moment, there was some very good reasons I was grumpy for. Grumpy at Talia, grumpy at my kids. Grumpy at the world, grumpy at God because he should, he should have let me slip to my alarm. Surely God could control that, right? And, and of course, so in the morning, I, I like to read my Bible. And so I got to do that and, I'm, and I got my Bible out. I'm like, hmm, I knew I was about to preach on. I go, well, I, I've probably got to make a choice, don't I? <laughs> do I keep being angry at everyone? for honestly probably no good reason? Or do I do my best to show mercy? Because if I just read my Bible and keep being grumpy, and when Tyler gets up, give it a cold shoulder, then go and read my Bible and do that, that's, 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 I'm basically a Pharisee. And we've got to make a choice. It's like, actually... I'll do my best to be Christ-like. And Jesus would have done it so much better and faster, but we, we do our best. We do our best. It's a choice. It's a choice. When we change patterns and we change thinking, we've got to choose to go down that path. And so th this word, it's not a condemning word. It's a life-giving word. But sometimes mercy, showing mercy isn't easy. It's easy for Jesus because he's God, right? But sometimes it's not easy. Loving and showing mercy and serving. That's not easy. Because we're, we're wired to go differently. But as we choose, as we keep choosing, I think it becomes easier and more natural because the Holy Spirit builds and God slowly transforms as we let him come in us. So I encourage you, if it's difficult, hey, you're finding something tricky, join the club. Like, but as we, as the church, let God transform us the way we think, our hearts will reflect His love more and more to each other and to our community. And I want to be a church that does that. So God, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for our families. I thank you for our community. Thank you for our workplaces, our social groups, our sporting clubs. God, we just 
we want to follow you and we want to be Christ-like as we do that. <laughs> we want to be full of your love. So God, I pray that you just help us, mould us, guide us, teach us. Help us, God, because I, I need help. We need help, God, in that. So we come to you. As sons and daughters of you, God, and we humbly come and say, have your way in us. God, pray for this week. Let it be blessed. Let it be fruitful. Let it be full of freedom and love. And God, let us just reflect your love and light throughout our community and our family. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Grab a coffee, catch up with someone. Think, how could you serve someone, encourage someone today?